everybody. My name is Robert. I'm one of the privileged pastors here. And we are, we've just finished the series. Maybe I'll talk about it in a little while. And we're going to get ready to start a new series. But about a week and a half, maybe two weeks ago, at work, I heard somebody, whoops. At work, I heard, you guys ready? Are you good? At work, I heard somebody in devotions read from Luke 19. And when I tell you, this passage struck me so powerfully, so wonderfully, so beautifully. Knowing that we were about to start a new series, I thought I would take the liberty of sharing the message with you. I say the message. I hadn't, I hadn't compiled the message at that point. But the way in which the, 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 way in which the devotion... Pastor E, I was just talking about devotions at LCM one morning with Helen. And bro, she just read Luke 19 and it was just, I sat there and I just had an epiphany. And um, so I've just been thinking about it, looking at, looking at this text and I'm going to take the liberty to share it with you. And it actually segues nicely into the beginning of our series next week, which is going to be based on this little book of big words. And we've bought you all a copy. <laughs> I haven't finished. <laughs> We've bought you a copy that we'd really love that you would purchase. <laughs> well, look at that, Harry. It seems like everybody wants a copy. <laughs> Amen. And I think um, the, I think the, 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 the cost price... Let me come to this next week because we're not talking about this this week, right? Take up my time. And it, uh, Millie. Praise the Lord. That's a little personal private joke there. Our message today is, based on Luke 19, little big man. Little big man. Hopefully this will make sense. If you've read the text before, you're, you're, you probably kind of have an inkling as to where I'm going to go with this. But little big man. And the subheading is sought whilst seeking. Sought whilst seeking. And made. That may or may not make sense at this point. So if you turn to Luke 19, that will be really helpful. And as you're doing that, let me try and intro this by God's grace. This text, <clears throat> one of the first things that came to mind as I began to think about this text was Madeline McCann. I think this thing is working. There we go. Madeline McCann. And... This little girl went missing in 2007. I'm sure we're all familiar with kind of the pictures and the story. On the right-hand side, sorry, obviously on the left-hand side is what she looked like when she went missing. On the right-hand side is an artist's impression of what she potentially would look like at about age 11. Sadly, she's not been found. Can you imagine seeing all the pictures, all the interviews... Can you imagine what it would be like for her to be found? And that not just for us, the onlookers, but for her mother and her father, particularly her mother. Can you imagine? It's like poor Maddie. You know, she needs, she needs a, a, a dad like Liam Nielsen. <laughs> Liam, that's, who, that's who she needs, isn't it? Right about now. You know what I mean? The man who's famous for the film Taken. Remember, my man's like, I don't know, on the phone, when he heard that she got taken. I, I don't know who you are, 
but trust me, I'm going to find you. And when I find you, I'm going to kill you. And I think, I needed, I think. But how many of you know, even, even Liam Neeson couldn't help. Because Liam, ne- <laughs> Liam Neeson, he, 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 isn't, he really isn't that guy. Not in real life, he's not. He's weak, he's an incapable man. And he's just as unimpressive as the rest of us in real life. I don't know if you know the story about his wife. Um, I think her surname's Richardson. She was the daughter of a famous actress. And she went skiing, fell over in the snow, hit her head, and they recommended, go to the hospital. And she was like, no, no, I'm okay. And she went home and she had an aneurysm and she died. I'm saying even in, like, in, in, like who is... I don't even know his character's name, but who is that guy in real life, really? But getting back to my point, imagine if there really was someone who was able to find Maddie. Imagine if there was actually somebody taking it to another degree. Imagine if there was actually somebody who could really liberate, who could really save, who could really rescue. Well, as incredible as it may sound, this is the very person that we're presented to with in our text today. Today's passage is about a man who is lost. He's in desperate need of being found. Today's story is about a lost little big man. So here's the text, Luke chapter 19. And normally what I do is, I learned this from Pastor E, you know. Um, normally I would say, look in your Bible. But I realize people ain't trying to look in their Bible nowadays. And no matter how much I try, I look around the room and maybe two or three. Oh, big up Alex. Alex got his Bible open. You know what I mean? And I know some of you got your apps open and you're, you're on your phone and that. But invariably, and, and if I'm honest, it's one thing being a shepherd, right? And preaching all the time. But how many of you know, like, we, we, we team preach in, in our church. So often I'm sitting in the pew like you. And I'm sitting there. And all the things that you think <laughs> when the preacher's up here. I get to do exactly the same thing. Good stuff and bad stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, and I, was, I was sitting the other day, and I think it was Bertrand was, was quoting a text, and I tried to turn there real quick, but by the time I turned there, he'd already moved on. And you know with apps glitching, and when you've got iPhone 6S, and they upgrade the software, and they, they, ain't, they ain't showing you no love, and the phone's just sticking and won't do what you want it to. So, I'm so, so I see Pastor E's been putting the text up, so I don't like to do it, because I want you to look in your Bible, but... Hey, times are moving, times are changing. What can, what can I say? So there's the text in it. So you can glance up at the text. Read it with me. Luke 19, well, not literally, but metaphorically in your mind. Luke 19, starting at verse 1. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Verse 6, so he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when when they saw it, they all grumbled. He's He's gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, 
The half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. <laughs> and Jesus said to him, why? Today's salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. Verse 10, for the son of man, read it with me, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Would you pray with me? Father, over the Easter, I remember <clears throat> just kind of watching loads of superhero films, Spider-Man part one and two, and then a new Spider-Man part one, two, and three, and Superman and Iron Man and all these super Avengers, all these superheroes, but none of them are, none of them are real. And yet, Father, we have in your word historically evident and validated Jesus who comes into the world like Superman, or should I say Superman comes into the world like Jesus did, come to, to, to save. And it's not just a fictitious story, it's reality. And it's why we're here today. Jesus, the one we long for, someone to come and liberate us, to rescue us, to save us. Thank you, Father, for providing such a savior for us in Jesus. Amen. Amen. In terms of the context, <clears throat> so as I mentioned, for the past few weeks, um, we've been doing this series topically looking at Jesus and what he accomplished at Easter, right? Four or five weeks. I wasn't here last week, but I heard that Richard smashed it. I still need to catch up with the podcast. <clears throat> Our text today actually rewinds back to the week before Easter. So it's a bit mad, like a prequel. Where Jesus is passing through Jericho on his way, where to? Jerusalem. Because in a week, he's going to die on the cross. Right? Here in Luke, for the past few, three or four chapters, um, we see this theme of valuables being lost and found as a theme. In chapter 15, you've got the story about the lost sheep. And instead of rejoicing, as you would when you find something that's lost, right? Instead of rejoicing, consistently there's a group who are unhappy and even disgruntled at the finding of that which is lost. In Luke 15, again a little bit earlier, it says, Now the tax collectors and the sinners. Oh, tax collectors. Does that remind you of somebody that we just read about? It's Zacchaeus in our text. The tax collectors and sinners, you know, were all drawing near to him, that is to Jesus. Interesting. And in contrast, the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with... It's just like what we just read. You see the consistency? That's why you've got to read the Bible in its context, because you get the bigger picture, the broader landscape. Verse 3. So Jesus responds to them. And he tells them this parable. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the, the ninety and the nine, right? What verse am I? Are you guys with me? What verse are we on? Verse four, thank you. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is what? Lost until he finds it. And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing, you know. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. 
Verse 7, just so I tell you, says Jesus, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. It's like, what's your problem? Like, shouldn't you rejoice? Rejoice that sinners have their lives transformed? Especially seeing as you, that is these Pharisees, are religious men. Surely they should be rejoicing. Jesus then tells them another story. So that's the lost sheep, right? He then tells them a story about what? The lost coin. The next set of verses. So from verse 8, or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, seek diligently till she finds it? And when she's found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me. Now notice, the individual is the one who's rejoicing. And the Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, right? But bad mind people ain't trying to rejoice with the other person because they're not thinking about the other person. They're thinking about themselves. Do you see that? Notice, rejoice with me, you know, for I found the coin that I'd lost. If you're not bad, man, you're like, praise the Lord, man. What a blessing that you found what you're looking for. It don't, even, it don't even cost me nothing to say that. You know what I mean? Verse 10, just so I tell you, there is joy before, because Jesus is actually talking about something bigger and more serious and more significant. He says, there's joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Because remember, this group of religious individuals, they seem to have issues with sinners. Now, note the irony. Can you see how Jesus is equating a sinful person's transformation with that of a recovered valuable? Can you see that? But again, not everyone rejoices. The angels do. Jesus does. And we're going to see in this next portion that even God the Father rejoices. You know what I'm saying? As outlined in this third story. So you've got the lost sheep. You've got the lost coin. You've got the lost what next? Classic in Luke chapter 15, the lost son. And the thing is, because it's such a long story, you get caught up in the story, you forget that Jesus is trying to make a point. The lost son, you know the story. <clears throat> it's actually a story about two sons, and it seems like both of them were lost, but only one of them was found. Listen to how the father in the story responds when his son returns home. Bro, maybe you can turn me down a little bit. I get man getting, getting a bit excited now. Thank you. Listen to how the, the father in the story responds when his son returns home. Notice, from a life of sin and promiscuity, you know. Remember, this is the son who said to the dad, Dad, I want my inheritance. You know what that's like saying? Now, when do you normally get your inheritance? When your parents die, it's like, Dad, I wish you were dead. I want my money. L listen how the father responds when this said same son comes home, right? Verse 24, for this is my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate, and rightly so. Hmm. Verse 25, now his older son was in the field. So he don't really fully know what was going on until he come back. And as he came and drew near to the house, let the text speak, Robert. He heard music and dancing. And he's like, huh. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And said to him, what verse are we on? 
I keep trying to read that screen. I need to read from mine. And said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he's received him back safe and sound. You know, he went, remember he went away and he, we didn't even know if he was dead. He's back and he's safe and he's sound. Surely we should be rejoicing. Verse 20, 28. But, his, but he was angry. Yo. And refused to go in, you know. His father came out and entreated him. His father begged him, son, like, allow it. You know, just let it go, innit? And again, notice. Well, listen to what he says, right? What verse, man? 29. Now, notice how he, so the father's begging him, verse 29. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you. Now, who's he thinking about? Notice, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never get, wait a minute, did he say he never disobeyed a command? Which son is, like, come on now, come on now, come on now, you know what I mean? Maybe it's in his anger, I don't know, but out of the mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I never disobeyed your command. This is how he sees himself at least, right? Yet you, you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends, but, but when this son of yours came, not if, wait, wait a minute, he's your brother. When this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with... Pros- Notice, devoured your property. Is it really the dad's property? Think about it. Devoured your property. It's like, you know you can take offense for someone when they ain't even got no offense. That's cool. You know what I mean? Dad's, dad's just happy to see his son back. Here's me trying to preach Luke 15. The brother... He's devoured your property, notice, with prostitutes. That tells you what he was doing in that time he was absent. And you killed the fattened calf for him? Verse 31, and he said to him, son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. I could could give you a a fattened calf and that, but... How, what is that, how does that compare? You live in my house. You're my son. You got, you got everything that I have. Every, like everything I own is yours. Verse 32. It was fitting, putting him in his place now, to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead. He's your brother, not just my, my son. And he's alive. He was lost. And he's found. Do you begin to get the intimation? So first point of application. When someone who is a sinner goes through a a life transformation, don't hate. Rejoice. You know what I'm saying? It's a good thing. But the problem isn't so much, notice, our attitude after they are transformed. Because we're cool, like some, they've got to say, when they come into church, praise the Lord. You know what I'm saying? Our our issue ain't so much our attitude. (laughs) And if I'm honest, and, you know, like this whole kind of weekend and kind of just a chain of recent events, if I'm honest, often my attitude to those that aren't godly, who aren't living their lives righteously. If I'm honest, my attitude is sometimes very much like this older brother, sometimes often just like the Pharisees. And I look at people, you know what I'm saying, that are not really doing what I expect them to do and being who I expect them to be you know and 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 I'm and I'm often just like these religious hypocrites what sitting and eating with sinners 
what, hanging out with, having a meal with, even going out down the pub and having a drink with sinners? <laughs> right? Perish the thought. Sadly, I confess that, that that's my natural inclination. And I'm saying, like I'm any better than anybody else, like I wasn't a sinner myself. Now, this isn't the main thrust of our passage, but it definitely is apparent, as you'll see in a moment, but I want you to see that this is the backdrop. Because when we begin to paint the picture of Luke 19, you know what I'm saying, with the backdrop and the landscape, in Luke 16, Jesus tells a story about a man who didn't look the part. I don't know if you know the story. He didn't seem acceptable. He was a beggar covered in sores named Lazarus. This is, again, this is the, 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 the summary of the chapters that surround this text. And I'm saying, and he didn't look the part, but you know what? He made it in. He was rescued. He was saved. But the other guy who was rich, you know what I'm saying, actually <laughs> looked very much like the religious men of Jesus' time. Because remember, they used to love long robes. Their man, they used to look sharp, you know what I mean? And they were very concerned about their appearance. And this guy who, quote, unquote, looked the part, he never got in, but the guy that didn't got in. And, you know, religious people are, are sometimes the worst. <clears throat> when in the company of, there's this real hypocrisy, and again, I feel it. When in the company of the rich and famous, everybody loses their mind. You know what I mean? I mean, I was at an, at an event the other day. So some of you know that my, my cousin um, runs um, Arsenal Fan TV, right? And had an event, and I take pictures. So I went along, and I took some pictures for them. And Ian Wright was there. And let me tell you, when my man walked, like everyone's doing whatever they're doing, they're, they're kind of greeting and meeting, and it was normal people. And there's some kind of well-known people on the channel who were there. You'd see them, you're like, oh, there's my man. Da, da, da. And you know, like you see someone, and you never met them, right? But you think you know them? Because you see them all the time on telly or on YouTube. <laughs> it's mad. So anyway, Ian Wright walks in. When my man, when my man bops in, it, like, it's like whoever I'm talking to is like, yeah, give me a minute. You know what I mean? All of a sudden, you just see, literally, you just saw people's attention turn to my man. You know what I'm saying? And it's like if, if Mark Zuckerberg walked in here, regardless of all the drama that's going on right now, oh, Facebook this, Facebook that, huh? and this is all the people that, you know what I'm saying, are Facebook addicts, you know. Huh? If Mark's walked in here right now, guaranteed, all of a sudden, your attention would not be on me. Not me, but like, rah, like, how? I'm, you're over there. You're like, how on earth can I angle myself so I can get, just get near him and say hi to him? And, and it might just be I want to shake his hand or, you know what I'm saying? Tutus. Back in the day, it was, yeah, I, I just want to get him, find a piece of scrap paper so I can get his autograph. Ain't no, the times have changed, right? You want to you get over there so you can get out of your phone and get a selfie. You know what I mean? Am I lying? Because you go update your state. I mean, imagine your status on Facebook if you got a picture on there with Mark. I mean, I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes we lose our mind in the presence of someone who, it's like, Lazarus, imagine Lazarus the beggar made it, made it into heaven. The rich man didn't. He didn't make it in. And you get a glimpse in there of the afterlife. But then in the chapter... 
before our chapter, so we're in chapter 19, and in chapter 18, Jesus goes for the jugular. Oh my God, this is just genius. You know what I'm saying? And um, it's genius in terms of Luke, who's writing, but it's genius as the Holy Spirit, who's the, who's the um, executive editor of the text, right? Verse 9, Luke 18, it says, He also told this parable. To this, you know, I'm not reading the same verses, you know. <laughs> These are different verses. Verse 9, he also told this parable to some who trusted, notice, in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up. This story, this, oh my gosh. Two men went, Jesus is a, he's a genius. He's a, he's a, Jesus is a G. Two men went up. Listen to this story. Two men went up. Listen to it like you never read it or heard it, right? <laughs> Two, because you're, you're, Two men went up into the temple to pray. Two men. One a Pharisee and the other a tax, coll tax collector like Zacchaeus, right? And, and even unlike Zacchaeus. We'll get there in a minute. Verse 11. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus. In another translation, it says praying with himself. And literally, that's what he was doing because he was not talking to God. Listen to what he says. He says, God, I thank you. I am not like other men. Oh, really? <laughs> Extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. That's him, right? Praying with himself. <laughs> I could tell you a funny story, but I, I won't digress. Verse 12, uh, verse 13. But in contrast, notice the tax collector standing afar off, right? Because he doesn't even feel worthy right, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, that's how bad he feels about himself, but beat his breast, like, oh, I'm such a wretch, right, saying, God, be merciful to me, I'm a sinner, now, one of those guys was much, much more enlightened than the other, you wouldn't see that from a distance, though, verse 40, but God, the Bible says, God looks at the heart, you don't look at the external appearance, and it's, verse 14, I tell you, says Jesus, this man, that is the man standing at a distance, not the self-righteous, um, conceited, contemptuous, religious individual. I tell you, this man went down to his house, what? Justified. Now, justified is one of those words that are going to come up in our series, little book of big words. It's a big word, you know, justified. It's all right. Don't think about it too hard. We're going to try to unpack it in time to come. This man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Hmm. Lord, help us. Lord, help me. Now, our section, I should, say, I should have said this at the beginning. Half of my message is introduction. And again, I'm hoping that because I've spent a bit of time Hopefully, this part will just unpack itself. Now, our section, <clears throat> and I've kind of titled this section, this, you know, verse 1 to, to 4, I've titled it, Man Seeking God. Right? So, Luke 19, I promise I'm going to put the text up. So, there it is. We're going to look at this section about text. We're doing verse 1 to 10. This first section is, I'm, I'm arguing, is man seeking God. Right? Verse 1, he entered Jericho. That is Jesus, and was passing through. Right? Now, Jesus is on his way where? To Jerusalem, right? We know that. Where by the end of the week, he's going to be crucified. 
Jesus was passing through. But how many of you know Jesus wasn't just passing through? Every step of every journey, of every single day of Jesus' life was significant. This isn't a casual coincidence. This is not a chance meeting. Every conversation was purposed. Could it, be, could it be said that that's true of us? In a sense, I'm not the same as Jesus. The only difference is that we drop the ball. Um, we don't take opportunities presented. Jesus perfectly responds to every circumstance, every conversation, perfectly, right, where we don't. But I'm arguing that probably every single person you meet, speak to, conversation, wife, husband, girlfriend, boyfriend, work colleague, you know what I'm saying? Bus conductor, every conversation that we have is potentially significant. But you're only going to see that if you see that. Otherwise, you just walk through life like, okay, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. Jesus always responded perfectly, constantly bringing glory to the Father, which is God's desire for us as his children. May God help us to respond to our daily divine appointments with wisdom, with grace, and prayerful consideration. Because let me tell you, I have to confess that this weekend I flopped. My gosh. You know, sometimes you can be so busy, you know what I'm saying, you, you're doing lots of stuff, but you're missing out the vital things. And it's a bit like Mary and Martha. Mary, Martha's there, like rustling pots and pots. Oh, Jesus is coming quickly. We've got to get some food together. And Mary chose to do something else. And she could have been the one, oh, look at Mary's so lazy. Look at her. And I'm saying, what kind of woman is this? I wouldn't want to marry a woman like her. It was who was it said it the other day at Denzel's wedding. Somebody said something about um, Chloe's an incredible cook. And someone like, yeah, praise the Lord. <laughs> so no one ain't trying to pick Mary as a wife. She ain't wifey material. You know, she's just sitting there doing nothing in a sense. Oh, Lord God. <laughs> Miss, where's Millie? Millie, help me. Sis, you said you're going to help me, you know. All right, then. We've, we had a chat about just... Half an, hour, um, half an hour sermons versus one hour sermons. And um, Pastor Brian Broderson was here because he took the wedding. And he, I was actually sitting at his table and me and Millie and we was chatting about, you know, half an hour sermons versus one hour. And I said to him, the only way, the only way that we, you know, I'm not taking it, I'm not just taking the bullet. I'm not, no, I'm not. Bertram preached at the wedding. Yeah, mate. I'm typical sinner. I'm dragging you in with me, bruv. Bertram. <laughs> misery loves company, for real. Bertram preached at, at Chloe and Denzel's wedding, innit? He was supposed to preach for 15 minutes. Half an hour later. <laughs> but, but you know what? I said, to, I, said to, I said to, you know what, Pastor Brian, a part of the reason why our sermons are long is because we interact with the people. You know what I'm saying? Now, I could stand up here and I could go through my notes and preach the sermon. And I suspect you could walk away with something of benefit. But I find that when we're here, and I, and, and I don't really get it when I, go, I get the privilege to preach at other places. Sometimes I'm looking for it. You know, you throw something out there and you're hoping, sis, you're hoping that they're going to bite and kind of come back at you. Nothing. That's why, because someone said to me, but how come when you go elsewhere and you preach, you preach for half an hour, 35, 40 minutes? I, I, I know the reason why now. It's your fault. Uh, wow. Oh. Man, thank you, Bertrand. You did what I didn't do for you, bro. 
Thank you, man seeking God. So, um, watch the, the scenario, right? This next scenario. Now, like I said, remember the context. I've given you the background. We're going to now meet a man who is hated in one sense, but admired in another. He, notice, this don't need no explanation. He is an abhorred tax collector, right? And we've seen how not only the righteous crowd feel about such men, right? Tax collectors were, were hated pretty much by everyone except the Roman authorities, right? Because they did the Roman authorities' bidding. Israel were under Roman occupation and were forced into paying taxes, right? Um, so they're, they're going to be understandably hostile to the Romans because they still got to pay their tithe. They still got to pay their temple tax, etc. So times was like, talk, that times of austerity, you know what I'm saying, for them. So partly one of the reasons why they never liked the Romans. But there was then those who were hated even more than the Romans because they now work for the Romans. You know what I'm saying? Jews who, Jews who collected taxes on behalf of the Romans, and then the problem was they'd put a little bit on top. If the people weren't being, you know what I'm saying, ex like, and they did that to feather their own nests, abusing their position and extorting their own people. So how do they feel about Zacchaeus? And it's, not, it's deeper than that. Watch verse 2. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector. Is that what the text says? <laughs> the brother was a chief tax collector. Oi. And he was a result. I mean, it was evident and it was always going to be the case that he was rich. Tax collector, not just a tax collector, a chief tax. That, that means that <clears throat> he had become so successful, right, that he probably didn't... <clears throat> He didn't, he didn't do the tax collecting anymore. You seen, is it, what's it called, sheriffs? Them guys who come in the door. If you don't pay, we'll take it away, right? He ain't that guy. He's the guy that they call. Oh, we got this issue here and this guy, he won't pay up and do that. He's what? He'd be saying, leave it to me. I'm like, this is a... So he didn't do the collecting anymore, but had, he had these shysty tax collectors, right, working for him or at least under him, right? But watch the irony. Is this person going to be loved or hated? By the Jews? By the Pharisees? Hated. But wait a minute, the irony is he's rich. I remember that you get, all of a sudden you start twitch, like you twitch. When you're in the presence of someone that's rich, even though you abhor their lifestyle. You know what I mean? It's, now, now, you, no one can't tell me nothing. You know what I'm saying? At least I see that in my own heart. I forget all my scruples. Everything goes out the window when I see people that. Well, what do we do with him? Zacchaeus. Well, the Pharisees would have real problems on their hands in responding. On the one hand, Zacchaeus is a sinner who they despise, a terrible sinner. A de I mean, he's a desperately wicked sinner, right? But on the other hand, he's an A-lister. <laughs> well, how would you respond to Zacchaeus? 
You know what he's like? You know what? You ever seen American Gangster? I'm not recommending that you watch it. I'm asking you if you've seen it. Right? <laughs> oh, Pastor, Pastor Rob was talking about American Gangster. And I'm not telling you to go and watch it. I watched it. Right? And it's probably not a good film to watch. But in the film, right, who stars in, in American Gangster? Denzel, I mean, you just got to love Denzel. And even if you're a man, come on now, you've got to love a bit of Denzel. You know what I mean? <laughs> and my man, my man in the film, he, and that's, that's the thing, it's because it's Denzel. You know what I mean? I don't know how Pastor Brown's wife couldn't remember Denzel's name. Call him Diesel. Call him Dennis. How are you going to, if a man's name is, De that's one name I'm not, you're not going to forget. So I'm like, I'm watching, De I'm like Denzel, man. And he's been in a few films. Someone said to me, if I watch Training Day, it's not a film that I've seen, but they said, oh, don't watch it, because you watch Training Day, it's going to put you off the Denzel character that you're familiar with. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm watching this thing, and I'm thinking, boy, this guy, he's, a, he's one of the wickedest gangsters you could ever come across. But the, the, in the film, you, you just love him. You, 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 you hate, you, you, you love to hate him, not you. It's the guy that you, not, but I say you love to, you want to hate, but you can't. But he's, he's wicked. Like, and it's, it's like, how would you respond to Zacchaeus? He's a wicked guy, but he's, you know what I'm saying? He's bathing. And he wants to be your friend. I'm saying, I'm, I'm just saying, I think the challenge is, to say that, oh, that's no challenge, I think is, is not being honest. Now, we'll see in a minute how some, quote-unquote, respond, right, verse 7, and how Jesus responds in verse 5. So Zacchaeus, right, is a don. No exaggeration. As, I, as, I, as our message title suggests, he is a big man, right? Is that a hype thing? I don't think so. But at the same time, he's a little man, verse 3. Verse 3, up on the screen. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. Really? Like Mark, Mark Zuckerberg, want to know who you want to come to church? Oh, I heard that. Um, what's the church in New York? Um, a very hip guy, Hillsong. It's Hillsong and Justin Bieber. Apparently, that he goes to that church. Now, what goes through your mind as I say that? Hey, be careful now. Easy now. Remember what we just talked about? This guy is a big man, but at the same time, he's a little man, verse 3, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was, which is interesting. You wouldn't expect this, because Jesus says in the cha couple chapters before this, it's, it's easier for what? For a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven, right? So what's going on? Uh, the Bible. All right, listen, listen, oh, Elders meeting, three o'clock. Turn off the Wi-Fi. Um, he's, he's a big man, but he's a little man. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, verse three, but on account of the crowd, he could not. Why? Because he was small of stature. Verse four, so he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. Now, Zacchaeus, we've said, is a big man. True? Economically, socially, possibly politically, because when you've got dough, you know what I'm saying, you've got the ear of the politicians, because more often than not, you're funding them, you know, often for good reasons, not always for bad reasons. 
You know what I'm saying? My man, like in Jamaica, they got these guys, they call them dons. They just run a certain area. They're the big man. You know what I'm saying? On a par with like, like someone like Don Corleone back in the day in Sicily. You know what I mean? In one sense, this guy is a big man. In another, physically, <laughs> he's a very little man. Anybody who ever watched Goodfellas? It's all about films this week. Good, you seen Goodfellas? Who am I thinking of when I say little big man or big little man? Joe Pesci. <laughs> little tiny. He's, even his voice, like mine. Hi, Pesci. Oh, squeaky, squeaky. Right, his voice. Sound like this. I mean, I can't understand. My son's voice is deep. And I feel like, like I'm 50 and I'm still going through puberty. My voice is so high and squeaky. And Joe Pesci's voice is just like that. And he's a little tiny brother. But don't, don't cross him. You see what he done to my man in the restaurant that time? Yo, I knew it was a film, but I was, I, I was, he scared me. You scared me, Joe Pesci. Zacchaeus is a, he's a big little man. And because, he, because he's height challenged, right, in order for him to see Jesus, he needs a helping height advantage. But it's crazy because although my man is prominent, right, he's not proud. Can you imagine these big guys, whoever you can think of, you know what I'm saying, acting in this fashion? No doubt, <clears throat> this man was a scoundrel, but something's going on with Zacchaeus. You know what I'm saying? This man is going through a transformation. He was unethical. He was a crook. He was a rascal. He was a blackguard. He was a cheat, and he was a dastardly lowlife. Not just a low life, he was a chief <laughs> low life, right? But this man is going for a transformation, and we know this because he does things that are not consistent with a man of his metaphorical stature. He runs in verse 4. He climbs, <laughs> he climbs a tree. Like people with his kind of, like, you call for your chauffeur. You know what I'm saying? You get delegates to go ahead of you and... Wait a minute, just make contact with this Jesus, yeah, and see if you can set up a meeting, you know what I'm saying, next year at some point, because you know how the diaries stay already, right? I'm saying this is unusual for a man of his quote-unquote stature. Is that true? Is that fair? This man is evidently going for a transformation, and we know that because of the fundamental reason for what seems like irrational behavior the beginning of verse 3. What was he doing? He was seeking... This big little man seeking Jesus. He must have heard about Jesus somehow. And like the rich young ruler, which is a next thing that I don't have time for, in the previous chapter, he has a keen interest in Jesus. <clears throat> and we can guess, but... We're not sure exactly what led to him being perched up this tree. Incidentally, how did you get here today? I mean, how did Zacchaeus, like, you'd be like, boy. For those who knew him, be like, wait a minute. Again, everyone's looking at Jesus, but right. Look up my, my man up <laughs> My man up First of all, seeing him running, if you were in close proximity, now he's up in the tree. How did he get there, Christian? How, how did you get here today? 
especially if you haven't been to this church before, especially if you haven't been to any church before. You might be listening by podcast. How did you get a hold of this podcast? How did you get here? You know what I'm saying? Did somebody tell, like, did somebody tell you about Jesus? And you find yourself here, wanting possibly to disprove your friend's arguments or to confirm your own suspicions. Are you here wanting to find out more? Because you too, like Zacchaeus, are seeking Jesus. Would it be unfair to summarize verse 1 to 4 as man seeking God? Boy, I can see beer eyeballs rolling back in their, in their, in their sockets. One, because I probably should have finished by now, but two, because of the wedding and all of the busyness, right? It's all right. I love you. As much as I, like, you stand up here sometimes, you think, boy, all this time and all this effort, you look up and you just see eyeballs rolling back in the day. I'm feeling me past the E. But it's all right. Praise the Lord. I know someone's listening somewhere. <laughs> Would it be unfair to summarize verse one to four as man seeking God? Amen, thank you. But now look at verse 5 to 10, and we're going to see actually, actually, it's what? Is it man seeking God? No, it's actually God seeking man. It's deep. It's so beautiful. Wow. Verse 5, and when Jesus came to the place, he reaches a spot in it. Because Zacchaeus has run ahead, anticipated Jesus' direction. And I wonder what Jesus was even thinking. And he definitely was thinking something. And we know that by his response. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, You thief. <laughs> why are you up in that tree looking at me? Like, look, why are you looking for me? Like I want anything to do with you. Is that what Jesus Jesus didn't say that, did he? <laughs> Zacchaeus, he even knew his name. How did he know his name? We don't know. But there's obviously something more going on here, right? Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Who knows? Maybe, this, maybe something happened before. No, let me not get into no conjecture and take another five minutes off my time. Three things. One, Jesus doesn't seem surprised to see Zacchaeus. And I wonder if, apart from what has already happened, you know what I'm saying, Jesus, this is preordained. This is his moment. And if Jesus was like me, Zacchaeus may not have got a second, third, fourth, fifth chance if it was me. Potentially because of what could have gone on previous. Knowing Knowing the type of person that Zacchaeus is. That's the first thing. Second, Jesus cheekily invites himself around for dinner, you know. I love it. Which means spending a number of precious hours potentially distracted from his mission. Because you know Jesus is a man on a mission, right? Jesus, he evidently doesn't have time to waste. He's about to go to the cross can you see that this isn't a distraction? This is a vital part of his mission. It's wonderful. This should be encouraging. If there's a man in it, like we heard earlier about man, 
like these brothers out on road, ruthless, ruthless. Listen, you know we've been hearing statistics like seven man got seven people got stabbed in one week. Driving here in the car, listening to LBC. Seven were pe- seven people were were stabbed in ninety minutes yesterday. I'm saying that. Like, we got some notoriously, like, evil, I wouldn't even say sinful, um, like, evil people. You know what I mean? What is, what, how do we feel about them? <coughs> Excuse me. Jesus invites himself around to this man's house for dinner. Number three, Jesus obviously has love for those that we might be tempted to reject and even be disgusted by. Is is that a fair comment? Jesus is about to go and chill. He's going to go hang out and love on Al Capone. Old school. I I couldn't think of our new school, Al Capone. No one ain't trying to help me, so. Do you know anyone that despicable? I think I heard Jay talk earlier about being prepared to, to pray for people. And I'm saying that we know that I like this. Some of them, and, and the thing is, it's hard for you not, for us not to be attached to those individuals in some It's some extended member of the family, some third cousin. It's like, sometimes some of these individuals are members of our family. And sometimes... Is there a lesson in there for us to be more like Jesus? Can you begin to see how this section, that is verse 5 to 10, could easily describe not man seeking God, but God now seeking man. And I say God, you'd be like, wait a minute, Jesus, Jesus ain't God. It's all right, come to that in a minute. Look at now how Zacchaeus responds to Jesus' response. Verse 6, so we, oh, yeah, verse six, so we hurried and came down and, re- and received Jesus, him, joyfully. And notice how the onlookers respond, verse 7. And when they saw it, they, they all grumbled. Now, is this inconsistent? <laughs> he's, he's gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. You'd think the story that Jesus told about the, the self-righteous brother, and uh, you know what I'm saying, and the other guy, they'd have learned their lesson. Maybe they weren't there when Jesus told the story. I don't know, because we don't know specifically who this group is or are. He's gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. But this consistent theme, the text doesn't say exactly who this group is, right? But it could well be the hypocritical scribes and Pharisees, but it could also be the common people, the normal working class Jews who disdained people like Zacchaeus. The previous chapter describes them as the crowd. Verse 8. Jesus doesn't go with the perspective of the majority, does he? And the picture is similar. I love this. It's a Psalm 23. How many of you know the Lord is my what? Thank you. Shepherd, I shall not want. It goes on in verse 5 to say, Lord, you prepare a table before me. I'm saying now Jesus is inviting himself around for dinner, but you could, I mean, in Psalm 23, God is inviting you around for dinner. <laughs> you see that? 
And how many of you know, like, like, why do I deserve to be invited to sit and eat at God's table? How many of you know we are just like sheep who Isaiah 53 says have all gone astray, white and black, rich and poor, old and young. We've all gone astray and turned to our own way, but have been rescued by the good shepherd. Peter calls Jesus the bishop or the overseer or the shepherd of our souls. It's like, I thought about when I looked at this, I thought, oh, rah. this is like the wolf and the shepherd. Like the, remember the Wolf of Wall Street? Here we go. Here's another film. I ain't seen that one, and I don't want to watch that. Don't watch that film, right? This is like the wolf and the shepherd, Zacchaeus and Jesus. I lie? Now look forever at the response of Zacchaeus as we get ready to finish. Verse 8, and Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, you see here how all the different people are responding. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. Now you've got to, medit- you've got to meditate on that, you know. <laughs> and this, is, this would be a prime opportunity for one of them wicked, like, teething preachers to absolutely go ham. A lie? <laughs> you see how Zacchaeus responded to Jesus? <laughs> wow, Lord. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. That's four times the amount that, they, that he may have defrauded. This, this goes to show you just how wicked and bad my man was. This is how my, this is how my, how my man made his riches. You know what I'm saying? But for him to be prepared to give this, uh, it's a little bit like the rich young, he's going to do what the rich young ruler didn't want to do. Remember Jesus says, go and give everything that you have to the poor, come follow me. He couldn't do it. But this brother does, Zacchaeus does. Look how this big little man was. But now look at the incredible change. Can you see that this is a man going through genuine transformation, a man that could have easily been written off, you know, I wonder if you're that person that everybody wrote off. I mean, look, think about Jason. Sorry, bro, I'll bring you up to bring you up two times. I ain't trying to spotlight you, but you know what I mean? Jason might be a brother who, you know what I'm saying, in the past, you'd be like, that brother, he come like Paul the Apostle. He ain't never, I mean, he come like Saul. Who'd be fr- he ain't never, there ain't no way. And in that sense, the Bible says we mustn't judge because you don't know, you know what I mean? But look at the grace of God. You know what I mean? And we can kind of say, okay, this person's much worse of a sinner than, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all sinners, isn't it? You know what I mean? How many sins do you need to commit to be put in that category? Man could have been written off, you know, just like the individuals that Brother Bertram described, again, those perpetrating gun and knife crime. You remember Nicky Cruz? For those of you who don't know, crossing the switch. Cross and the switchblade, you know. No one don't refer to it as switchblade. Back in my day, what did they call knife again? Ratchet. Ratchet, you know, you know about ratchet. You know what I mean? A man used to pull it, but rarely did a man use it. You know what I mean? But before the ratchet, it was the, cro- the switchblade. Like flick knife. 
the, 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 the blade was in the, in the body of... Uh, yeah, that's irrelevant. <laughs> but times ain't change. But look, Nikki Cruz got saved. And I'm saying, like we, sh- like, we should be encouraged, not just, oh, you know what, we really need to pray, you know, like, yeah, you feel raw, you feel the burden, you're like, yeah, boy, we really need to pray because... It was like the other day I mentioned that um, we had bare rain and the day of Chloe and Denzel's wedding, look, uh, like, uh, before I looked outside, me and Helen, was, we both woke up, we was like, boy, it's the wedding day today. Helen sent Judy for text. I sent Pastor Ear text. And I mean, we were praying. I was praying about the weather, boy. I was like, boy, you know when you pray them prayers and you don't expect it, you do not expect to get an answer to that prayer. You like wonder, you wonder why you pray. But we do that, don't we? I cracked the blind and I looked outside. I couldn't see a cloud in the sky. It was like an August summer's day. It was mud. And I'm saying, that's how we should feel about praying about about this issue. And, and And the reality is, we can't save the world. Look at us. We can just about, you know, tie our own shoelaces. You know what I'm saying? But what we can do is we can pray that God's kingdom would come on earth. His will be done on this part of the planet. And it might just be a circumference of a 50-meter radius. That might be all it is. But we can pray that and trust that God will do that. Because we are the greatest testimony. Did God not change your life? God changed my life. I can't be, like, Did I say I was wrapping up? We should be encouraged. If us as a church... We're like that crowd that we just saw. There would be no TOG. There would be no barley loaves, like Pastor E said. There would be no operation forgiveness. And if you think about it, these people, for all intents and purposes, they're drowning. Was it Sammy that preached that that psalm that talks about, I I looked at the wicked, and part part of me was covetous. Psalm 73. And I mean, I look at the prosperity of the wicked. I'm like, what? But that's the wrong way of seeing it. Like Biggie, chatting about two ways to, I'm ready to, man said I'm ready, man called the album, I'm ready to die, you know. Chatting about, yeah, when I get to hell, man, I'll be rolling dice and polishing my guns. Really? I'm saying we got to see these, these people are drowning. I mean, and they're literally dying. How are we going to see them? We're going to stand by and watch them die and drown? I told you already my sinful proclivity. What's your attitude toward those who are lost? Let me remind you, in one way, shape, or form, you used to be Zacchaeus. If you're a Christian, you used to be in the same sinking ship until Jesus rescued you. Amen? You used to be lost until Jesus found you, found me. Finally, verse 9 and 10. Look at Jesus' response now to Zacchaeus' response. Verse 9, and Jesus said to him, Boy, today. <laughs> then he went into my Jamaican like my mom. Today. 
Salvation has come, has come to this house. Like, yo, since he also is a son of Abraham, like, who would have believed it? Now, this is code for someone who's justified instead of condemned from God's point of view. Like I said, we'll be talking about justification. This man was already a biological son of Abraham, but has now become a spiritual son of Abraham. And how did it happen? How was this man rescued? Verse 10. For the Son of Man came to do what? Seek and save the lost. Verse 1 to 4 of our text describes Zacchaeus as a man seeking God. Earlier argued that this section, verse 5 to 10, describes God seeking man. How can Jesus be described as God? I mentioned earlier, being the one seeking Zacchaeus. God seeking man? Well, the term Son of Man was one of Jesus' favorite terms for himself. Where did I get it from? Thank you, my brother. Oh, my God. If you don't know Daniel 7, boy. Verse 13, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like what? A son of man. It's like a reference to Daniel in the lion's den. Wait a minute, there's a fourth man. We threw them in the, not the Daniel in the lion's den. When they threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. The man said, Ra, there's, another, there's a fourth man in the fire. And he looks like a son of man. Oh my gosh. I ain't got time. And he came, the son of man, notice, came to the ancient of days, we'd argue, as the father, and was presented before him. This is after the resurrection of Jesus. I don't have time to unpack it. Verse 14, and to him that is to who? The son of man was given notice, dominion and glory and a kingdom that of peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is not normal. It's an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away in his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. This is a picture of Jesus from the Old Testament. So could it be said that verse 5 to 10 is actually God, Jesus, God seeking man. But who is actually seeking who? Who's zooming who, right? Therefore, the real title of this message is sought whilst seeking. Hopefully it makes sense now. And to take it even further, who is actually the big little man? Is it Zacchaeus? No, it's actually Jesus. Or we could put it this way. He is the little man physically. You look at Jesus, he's not very impressive. But he's the ultimate big man spiritually speaking. Amen. Praise the Lord. Ask the team to come join me. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.